1: Good day. Welcome in, Rob Black, and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Rational exuberance, huh? Seems like the market marches. Higher, and higher, and higher. On a pretty regular basis. Um, With that said a little bit nervous buying. There was some dip on the market yesterday. I kind of look at the markets three times a day. Once very first things in the morning, once around lunch, and then once after things have shut down. So, SP 500 fell two points. The dip was, had some investors, you know, is this the dip in the market? <laughs> two points, right? It's not much there's been a resilience to selling. Markets are, no, 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 nay, nay, nay. And it's almost as if things bounce back a little bit too easily. So people don't want to miss out on further gains. And it's kind of fun when it's like out of control, right? You look at your portfolio and you're like, woo, let's take a look tomorrow. I made $300,000 this year in gains. And you're like, woo, Three hundred two thousand dollars Woohoo, $304,000. Like, almost on a daily basis, you're like, "Uh, it's ridiculous. So, try not to have that mentality. So, there's a land of a plenty going on. There's some people like Carl Icahn who say, okay, these gains are good, but they've come too fast. Um, There's a lot of seasonality that's positive right now, there's a lot of momentum. There's a desire to sell not this year, but maybe next year when it's expected that capital gains may be rolled back, um, corporate taxes may be rolled back. If you have a company like an Apple, who's paying 30, 35% in tax in theory, now again, nothing is ever like that, uh, not in your world, and not in likely your world, and not likely in the business world. But if they're being told. Next year, you're going to make 15%, and you're going to pay 15% in taxes. Some companies may stuff the channel so that they they lose this year, <clears throat> so they can take those gains next year at a much lower tax rate. So, there is a land of the plenty going on. Boeing announced a 30% increase in its quarterly dividend and a $14 billion research purchase program. So, Boeing, you may remember, uh, was part of the target by President-elect Donald Trump when he said, you know, Uh, Our planes are costing too much for Air Force One. Um, Exxon CEO Rex Tillerson is being nominated for Secretary of State. Uh, Governor Rick Perry out of Texas is going to be nominated for the Secretary of Energy. The two appointments are deemed very friendly for the energy sector. So Exxon and Chevron rocking and rolling higher. So what's interesting about that is oils rocked pretty aggressively higher. And it's almost been a nonstop move in the last 45 days. And a lot of it's tied towards OPEC saying, we're going to cut production of oil. But so far, not one drop of oil has been cut. The taps haven't been turned off. So, so much going on, right? Retail sales, industrial production, fixed asset investment data comes out of China today. And it reinforced the view that economic activity in China is good. The oil demand forecast for 2017 gave a little bit of a lift to oil this morning. They raised the guidance for how much we're going to consume as a world. The lower yield and sovereign bond markets have been induced by some bargain hunting activity and some encouraging recapitalization news for Unicredit, Italy's largest bank. Uh, yeah, let's not forget that Europe still has a lot of problems with their economies, and there's a lot going on right now. So a lot of market participants are finding reasons to say, you know what, I want to hold on at least until the start of the year, and we'll look at it then. So the Federal Reserve is due out today and tomorrow. They're meeting today, and then tomorrow there will be a little bit of a news conference, um, and will they or won't they raise rates? Will they or won't they talk about the transition to President Trump from President Obama and some of the things that they may expect to see in the economy and or not. So non-fuel import prices are down three-tenths of a percent year over year. You could expect gas prices to move higher um, next year. So that's one area where we can totally expect some inflation Um, as oil prices have moved, you know, 50% higher than they were a year ago. So we're probably looking at $3 gas uh, pretty soon, if it's not already in your neighborhood. Oil prices have jumped well above $50 a barrel. Fuel typically slumps during the low-demand winter months, but the opposite has occurred this year because of OPEC. Gas averaged $2.21 a gallon as of this Monday. Uh, again, depends on where you live because I'm much closer to like 275, 280, and uh, the difference can add up when you're seeing higher gasoline prices. So um, probably about 350 to 400 dollars a year is what I'll expect to pay higher in gasoline prices in 2017 versus 2016, and all that means to you and me is if I'm paying 400 dollars higher means I'm it's it's a product that you put in your car and it burns up. It goes away. You don't save it. You don't give it to a waitress. You don't give it to a bartender. He doesn't pay his rent with it. Landlord says, hey, I'm going to buy another apartment. Um, I got rent from this, you know, deadbeat bartender. Is that you Is that really the best slumlord, landlord you could do? <laughs> Probably without a lot of practice. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank the Academy for nominating me. I want to thank my amazing director and, uh, my, my, my dog, Maisie the Wonder Dog, who really helped me practice for the part of the, of the evil landlord. Maisie the Wonder Dog, who literally, when she runs on the beach, it's, it's, okay, I'll just drop it. Um, Budweiser. Budweiser. Remember the Budweiser frogs? Do you want them to come back? Do you miss them? Probably not. Uh, they're selling some more brands. So, uh, Budweiser is looking to offload business to get regulatory approval for its $100 billion takeover of SAB Miller. Which is pretty crazy. Um, when you basically get the number one beer manufacturer in the world buying the number two, and you don't have some sort of worry Smith and Wesson want to own a gun want to buy a gun want to own a stock of a gunmaker. the 164 year old gun maker shareholders are set to vote today to change its corporate name from Smith and Wesson to American Outdoor Brands that's literally Smith and Wesson guns that kill people guns that blow people's heads off like watermelons being smashed by a hammer American Outdoor Brands for the husky masculine man in your life who need something fun to do on the weekend. It's almost like the difference between changing your name from Philip Morris, the the masculine man who got lung cancer and died, <coughs> to Altria because it sounds so pretty. Apple's investing in that $100 million technology fund being raised by SoftBank. Uh, they're going to throw about a billion dollars into that. There's a partnership between Sprint and SoftBank there. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show.
2: 800-516-1220
0: That's 800-516-1220 Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM
2: 1220
3: KDOW
1: Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money. This is the Strumbellas, which kind of have a, an affinity for this year. I think it's an album that I bought. Got the CD, burned it. Added it to my Apple world. Threw the CD uh, in a box that I'll use later if I ever need it. Doubt it, but who knows. Um, this is the Lumineers new album. Both albums are kind of work for me I think this one a little bit more they're both hipsters hipster bands Um, they both have females that play the violin or cello or some sort of big instrument I kind of like it something about a a woman playing strings I find that to be very sexy keeps us moving I put a banjo up in the sky Anyway, uh, check it out. Stromelos and the Lumineers. Maybe you could just save yourself some do re Mi and get it with your Spotify. I don't even know. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, Google's plan for creating a futuristic fleet of self-driving steering wheel-free cars is being put on the back burner. The company is focusing more on practical uses for its automotive technology. Um, it's kind of a slap that Uber is kind of beating them in this area. Um, the company's self-driving car group is partnering with Fiat and in introducing a line of autonomous vehicles and traditional features for humans. Goal with that fleet to potentially have a robo-taxi service online by the end of 2017. Um, a lot of cool stuff could happen in the next two or three years, if you believe the views from some of our tech luminaries in the Bay Area, whether it's be Uber, whether it be Google, whether it be Tesla... Um, Google's been working for years on the self-driving car. It's little to show for it outside of the flashy press demos and the line of koala cars that sneak through Mountain View at top speeds of about 25 miles per hour. Uh, Uber surged ahead to launch commercial-facing trials of the technology. They've got the autonomous taxi system in Pittsburgh that's uh, not gaining momentum, but it's in place. Let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton, to talk a little financial planning issues. Don't forget, he and I will be doing a webinar coming up very, very shortly um, next week, and you can sign up for the webinar. It's free by going to newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Joining me now, CFP, Chad Burton, talking money, investing, and much, much more. Mr. Burton, how are you? Just
4: wrestling with the mic over here. I'm good.
1: Yeah, that whole mic thing can be kind of tricky. Um,
4: (laughs) Apparently, it's supposed to be in front of your face when you talk.
1: Yeah, and you're supposed to put your lips almost on the microphone usually, which is something that very few people get for quite a while. Uh, With that said, there's different microphones, and there's different investment products. Different investment products, I think, is the thing that confuses the most of our listeners out there. I remember the first time I approached at age 17, 18, you know, mutual funds. I found some nice Roberts and Stevens technology mutual funds, which oh, I, I love
4: those guys. Those yeah. guys were the the greatest small mid cap managers back in the 90s.
1: Fantastic. And that was uh, probably my first brush with greatness, so to speak. I just talked to the information director recently from the old Roberts and Stevens funds because uh, that's the thing I like about LinkedIn. You can kind of see where people used to work. Right, right. Look back in time and go, how was it working with Dan Niles as a tech analyst? Like things like that. And, uh, I don't know. It was, it was.
4: Is that where Dan Niles came from with Robertson Stevens? I, he Is did, little, he right did some work
1: there. Yeah. Um. He went on to be much, much bigger than that.
4: But. Yeah. He's very forefront media tech analyst still.
1: Yeah, and, and it's interesting that you say that because I don't think I, I don't see him as much as I used to. But then again, I don't watch as much financial media as I used to. Right. Uh. So I'm not watching Bloomberg as much. I'm definitely not watching CNBC as much. Um. Uh, I guess I'm a little bit more digital financial media. Yep. So.
4: I think a lot of people are. What, mean, are some,
1: what are some of your sources that you go to these days?
4: Well, we have Bloomberg terminals, which are you know very expensive, so we get a lot of data through that. Um, we've had facts set in the past. So a lot of the stuff that advisors use... Mm-hmm. Um, is you know more on demand. The information is there all the time. In terms of basic publications, I still have the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Uh, Briefing.com page one, Open Reports. One of the first things I read. I've got you know Bloomberg on my phone, so I'm getting all the headlines alerts on that. Um, what Bloomberg? Morningstar? Is it just the Bloomberg app. Just the Bloomberg app.
1: Yeah. Okay. I don't use that one.
4: No, I love it. No. It's actually, for, one of the first things I do when I wake up is I have a whole bunch of alerts from Bloomberg in terms of article stories, what happened overseas, things like that. One of the things that's really interesting to me right now is you know, the euro versus the dollar, the yen versus the dollar. Why is that interesting to you? Oh, because I think that the opportunities overseas, the value is greater. The quantitative easing is just happening there where it happened five years ago here. Um, so there's a lot of potential for equity growth over there, but there's currency issues that you have to deal with and um so i think we're we're taking a little break on the dollar increase but i think the longer trend, term trend is still dollar higher i think parity or even less for the euro versus the dollar um but you can be wrong so you got to follow that trend you got to see if that 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 chart is going can, can to continue in that direction the reason why i say that is cuz we own some currency hedged etfs that invest in a lot of export-driven companies overseas, and it's done really, really well. But I want to know when to take the profits. Those are shorter-term, you know, six to twelve-month trades versus most of my investments were through three to five-year time horizons.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because uh, I think we are in a world of quantitative easing, and you do get to the point where where do you turn next? As Europe accelerates, it sure there could be a, a dollar stronger play, as there could be an equity stronger play in Europe. Uh, but at some point in time, it's a it's a currency race that, like, we're all trying to devalue. It's, it, it is pretty interesting. And, yes, it does appear that the United States is trying to change the easing. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, a lot of smart people, a lot of smart people don't think it can happen. And that's an interesting uh, – I'm not going to say poker game, but it's interesting to watch because uh, – you see billionaires, you know, coming out on financial media, going, you know, we're at a top for Chinese stocks, we're at a top for U.S. stocks, we're at a top for, it. and then we're going lower, we're going higher. It's like, it, it's, it's tough for the average person, which again I come yeah. back to. Yeah. There's a lot of financial product out there, and that's one of the reasons I tell the average person: invest in your 401k,
4: diversify, it, go make love to your spouse. Yep. Yeah, you could pull, just pull up all the people that were talking about, you know, get out of the market in 2013 and how wrong they were or steer clear 100% of emerging market stocks or international stocks in 2014 and look what's advancing in 2015. So the the people that are all in all out, the 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 big headline guys, they're just trying to make a name for themselves be right once or twice so they can get out there and get a little bit of traction. The ones to listen to are the more steady growers, the Warren Buffetts of the world, the the Bogle's of Vanguard. You know, those are the guys that that get it right over the long term.
5: Do you ever look
1: at the Jack Bogle and go, "Mm -mm, you're a little bit too old for financial media? (laughs) You're you're sounding like Grandpa. Max out your 401k and go away and diversify and low cost, time in the
4: market. I mean, the message is very repetitive. Yeah, but at the same time, who do you respect in any industry? It's the people that are passionate about what they do. The guy is extremely wealthy, yet he's still out there in financial media.
0: Black now. 800 516-1220. That's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. Now back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM twelve twenty KDOW.
1: Welcome back in, Rob Black and Your Money. Talking all things financial, money investing in more getting you into retirement. Still have a little bit of time before the end of the year to put money in your four hundred one your IRA, and or um, some tax planning events that you should be taking advantage of. So again, some of this could also roll over into next year, like the IRA you have until April 15 to fund. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. Every professional I know starts their day by reading page one. How are you, Mr. O'Hare?
3: Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Kind of cool to hear a lot of professionals, financial professionals, start by reading you. Does that not make you feel kind of good?
3: Uh, yeah, it does. You know, and I appreciate uh, you know the opportunity I get to speak with you every week, and uh, the kind words you uh, say about me and briefing. dot com are, are greatly appreciated.
1: Oh, it's not. It's it's all for good. Um, with that being said, I think the number one question that people have every week is uh, how long will this Trump rally last? And uh, you're hearing some professionals come out. And say that it's overextended. We've gone too far too fast. But once again, yesterday, just the tiniest little dip, and people are buying, not selling.
3: Yeah, that's right. Well, I think um, you know this this Trump rally. If, you know, we take it back to really till election day until now. Um, you know, my my expectation is that it certainly has a, a very good chance to continue through year end, anyway. Um, and there's a number of factors uh, contributing to that outlook. Uh, one of which is is the fact that uh, there's this mentality that we're likely to see you know lower tax rates in 2017. So you have um, you know a number of participants probably looking to perhaps uh, defer taking their capital gains here in 2016. And so uh, so they're not doing much selling. And then on top of that, you have the seasonality factor. Uh, uh, the month of December has a track record of, be, of being a typically good month for the stock market. Uh, and then you pair that with Good old momentum, uh, and uh, you know there's a number of reasons to think why this market, <clears throat> excuse me, stays propped up here into year end, uh, and certainly doesn't uh, succumb to any major setback barring some exogenous shock. Um, so that's a very short-term uh, viewpoint uh, as it relates to a longer-term viewpoint. Well, that that becomes a little bit more more challenging, if you will, because this rally has certainly uh, gotten the market. Uh, you know, stretched as with respect to valuations, and it's priced in a ton of good news. I think as it relates to the 2017 outlook, and it probably could run into a cooling off period, if you will, uh, in the early part of 2017, as then everyone sits back and waits to see uh, what this new administration will actually implement uh, versus just what it's talking about right now.
1: So one of the things that we're looking at 2017 and why people are waiting is there's kind of an assumption that Trump's going to cut the corporate taxes, and that should help corporate America get the earnings that we want for valuations. There's kind of an expectation that President Trump could cut the capital gains tax, and maybe people start selling in 2017 versus 2016. Are there any more assumptions that we're making in uh, you know the, what an assumption does. It makes an ass out of you and me. Or we, Should we, we be worried about these assumptions?
3: Yeah, well, I think one really strong assumption, assumption to go along with all that is that all of these things will be achieved easily uh, in Congress. Okay. Right, Um, and that's that's a a very important uh, perspective as it relates to why this market is rallying the way that it is, and therefore it becomes also an important risk element Uh, as we look at the 2017 outlook. You know, we've said it before; it's it's kind of much easier to govern when you're not actually in the in the seat of government. Um, Well, this little honeymoon period that's going on with President elect Trump. I mean that's that's going to end here, you know, January 20th and then it's time to, you know, start putting up uh, in terms of delivering on all of these um uh um, pro growth policies and and the market is expecting this corporate tax cut to come in uh without really any obstacles it's expecting the the deregulation to take place without any obstacles and it's expecting uh you know this infrastructure spending plan to you know to kick in without any real strong resistance in congress and and so that may be one of the surprise elements there is that perhaps even a gop controlled congress might not be as um, open-minded to easy passage as um, as the market is now uh, discounting it will be. And so if you start to see some of that resistance uh, with these uh, legislative efforts, um, then you likely start rolling back uh, some of this Trump rally as the reality catches up to the fantasy right now that everything is going to be really just hunky-dory and, and you've got nothing to worry about.
1: So I guess moving on to other topics, uh, Rex Tillerson becoming the um, getting a cabinet position, Exxon Mobil has a comfy relationship with Russia. Are you do you use those kind of scenarios to say okay oil can go higher um, because our Secretary of Energy and our um, State Department are going to be run by oil people, or do you say I'm just going to be a robot, rebalance my 401k, and let things fall where they will?
3: Well, you know, I think all else equal, uh, given who we're talking about, uh, and assuming again, you know, that with Mr. Tillerson, you know, some press reports have suggested his nomination may not go so smoothly. Um, uh, given his ties to uh, to Russia and Vladimir Putin, so we 'll see how that goes but let's just say it does go through and he becomes Secretary of State and then there's other reports that former Texas Governor you know Rick Perry is going to be the Secretary of Energy. Uh, you know all that's equal you've got two oil men essentially uh, <laughs> that are in key cabinet positions and and you got to believe that they're going to be uh, uh, advocating for you know, policies that are going to be uh, pro-energy and more pro-fossil fuel energy uh, than than alternative energy. But um, so, you know, if you look at that and you say, yeah, I think that there's a good chance that uh, certainly the, the mindset remains positive under this energy sector rally here, uh, but as we also have seen recently, uh, OPEC has reasserted itself as an influential force in terms of driving oil prices. Right, uh, we had this first production cut agreement in 2008. Uh, prices took off, and now if, I think if OPEC can maintain this uh, this new impression that you know. Uh, that maybe it hasn't lost the influence it once had, uh, and it gets the buy-in from non-OPEC producers, you should see higher oil prices uh, continue into 2017, uh, particularly if economic growth picks up as the market is now projecting. So that supply-demand imbalance will work itself out, and that should be supportive for oil prices, irrespective really probably of of the policies that are coming through uh, with the new administration. But one can assume right now, again, that those policies are going to be pretty pro-energy, given the the players involved
1: so if you and i were having a beer what would we be talking about as far as business stories go maybe something that's not headline worthy right now maybe something you're you're digging into for 2017 or uh maybe you know end of the year let's not even talk money let's 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 take a break what would we be talking about if we were sharing a beer right now (laughs) and the Uh, cubs winning the world series
3: yeah yeah right you know' be talking about you know maybe the arrival of warmer weather hopefully sometime soon for those of us in chicago but um um no uh, you know I, I i think one of the stories that you've got to keep on your radar here is is china um okay. you, you know again it's uh there's this uh, i don't know if it's complacency so much as it's this this burgeoning confidence in uh, the idea that uh you know, US investors don't really need to concern themselves with what's going on around the world as long as you have a, a president who's focused on making America great again, right? And so all policies are gonna lead toward, you know, um toward helping the United States uh, regardless of what that might mean for, you know, trade alliances elsewhere. But you know, the job owning now that's going on uh, back and forth with respect to getting talking tough toward China and, and all of that. That's a, that's gonna be an interesting dynamic I think as two thousand seventeen unfolds here as well. <clears throat> and um and I'm you know uh, that could create some real turbulence for the market, I think, if if we do get into some type of trade war with China. Um, and, uh, and you know, again, it would kind of go against the grain of this mentality right now where everything is going to be easy-peasy in 2017. And uh, and that uh, is something that you know, I'll be keeping an eye on, certainly.
1: Anything else that you're working on, maybe something for your big picture that you want to throw a little tip in? Your big picture is a column that comes out at the end of the week that kind of takes a, a Bigger picture
3: outlook. Yeah, I well, it does kind relate to our conversation here today because um, you know, I do update our our market view on a quarterly basis, and uh, that is due this week. Okay. So, so it'll be a market view update, and I think it, you know, in all likelihood, you'll you'll see and read on our page. Uh, if, much of what we talked about here, but this notion that um, that a lot of good news has been priced in already, right? So you have a stretch valuation, and now it's time to, um, uh, you know, if this market's going to continue on its way here, you need the earnings to come through, you need the economic data to corroborate this pickup in all of these sectors that we've seen here since the election. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and so you just need to see... Uh, the growth validate the stretch valuation, and, and if it doesn 't then you know you 'll get some retracing of these gains and so it's it 's going to be a i think a challenging market, just given how much has been priced in already uh, for the next uh, year ahead
1: thanks very much it 's patrick o'Hare we 're wrapping up the year i 'm sure we 'll do one more big spot with him where we we'll do some talks about two thousand and seventeen. I start my day every day with a page one c f p Chad Burton starts his day every day with page one. It's a great way to get insights in the market. It's a good website. It's a solid website with lots of research and content, both on a domestic and the international level. Um, if you're going to be, I'd rather you read about business and investing than about what the Patriots did last night. That's just me. Briefing's a great place to start. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. dot com.
2: your retirement needs a plan but it can be hard to know how to even begin. by keeping your focus on just a few essential issues you can increase your chances of enjoying a secure future step one sign up for the free webinar ten pillars of retirement income hosted by new focus financial it's wednesday december twenty-first starting at seven p.m. and during this hour-long webinar you'll learn from certified financial planner chad burton how you can reduce risk with diversification He'll give you tax reduction strategies and estate planning tips, and let you know which bond alternatives and retirement products make sense in today's low interest rate environment. You'll learn how to rebalance your portfolio in retirement and create a tax-efficient distribution plan, and you'll get tips on portfolio structuring, asset allocation, and more. Again, this is a free webinar, 7 p.m. Wednesday, December 21st, for about an hour. Go to NewFocusFinancial.com to register now, and take the first step towards a secure future that's newfocusfinancial.com Boy, stand, get, get, like, like, wow.
0: it's like right now it's like wow. it's like right, right now like, wow. Wow. Like, wow. Wow. visit rob black online at robblack.com now back to rob black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW
1: SeaWorld's opening up a park in Abu Dhabi without their signature orca killer whales. I think we're all good with that. Hopefully. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to talk too much about it because I'm sure I someone off. Um, I remember going to... I think I got a TB shot when I was like seven or eight. My dad took me to SeaWorld, took all of us after we all got tuberculosis shots. And uh, we all got violently sick, so we were all vomiting pizza, watching killer whales. And that's my thought of every time I think of killer whales, I think of vomiting pizza as a ah! seven-year-old kid. Just throwing it out there. I tend to remember things very much so with emotions. Anyhow, and anyway, let's bring in Tony Mendez, talk a little uh, real estate, because interest rates are about to change as the Federal Reserve's doing a quick meeting, and at the end of the meeting, they're expected to raise rates, and that's going to trickle into real estate. Um, I would expect it very much so to do that. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Tony specializes in mortgage lending. He also has a show here on KDOW. Tuesdays at 6 p.m. That's, again, all about real estate and lending and how to get the loan for the home of your dreams. Tony, we have seen a virtual cycle play out numerous times. It feels like adjustable rate mortgages were popular. Then they became un. Then they got to kind of the point where they turned into hybrids where, you know, no document loans. And then we got back to let's kill those off for a while and go to 30 years and 15 years. Uh, real estate prices are down. People go with a 30. Real estate prices are up.
5: They go with the arm. What's an arm? Well, it's an adjustable rate mortgage, and you can. it's amortized for 30 years, which means your payments are going to be calculated over a 30-year period based on whatever rate you have at the time. A three-year arm, for example, means you're fixed for three years, and then after the third year, you become an adjustable, And you can adjust quite a bit based on a certain index. That index could be anything from the LIBOR to one of the treasury uh, um, accounts so, or indexes. So it, it's not meant for everybody because after that fixed period, your payments could go up dramatically. So it's, it's a specific product that people use as a tool to keep their payments lower. That's the number one advantage of an arm. Adjustable rate mortgage, is that the rate's going to be about a half a point, sometimes a point lower than what you get on a 30-year fix. The shorter the term arm, or the arm term, the lower the rate. So let's say you're staying in your house for three years. Right. Uh, get a three-year arm. Why would you get a thirty-year fixed at a point higher than th- and then a thirty-year than a three-year arm w- and save you know ten thousand dollars over that period of time? So that's why an arm makes sense. Does the property come into play? For instance, can you get an arm on a condo
1: or townhouse?
5: Um, you can, but, but an arm is a riskier product. So you need higher credit scores. You right. need higher equity. Uh, you know, in a lot of cases, you need twenty-five percent or more equity to get an arm. Even though lately. Jumbo arms have become more aggressive. You can go up to 80%, but over 80%, you're done unless you get an FHA loan, which are pricey to begin with. It kind of negates the benefit of having an arm.
1: And part of the whole cycle, again, is at some point in time, you're going to be able to get up to 103% on all these products because... We get to the point where we keep loosening standards, loosening standards, loosening standards. Disaster. Disaster. Tighten. And then we tighten standards, and then we loosen them, loosen them, loosen them.
5: This was a pretty tragic event that happened uh, to the housing industry, and and they've be- since then become overregulated, and it's going to continue getting tougher. But it, it right now, I'd say we're about what we were in '99 to 2000 as far as guidelines, and then you know, you know what, hit the fan and. Lenders started going crazy with the NEGAM loans, loans that would actually increase your balance based on a start rate of like 1%. Those aren't going to come back. So we're going to be a little bit more conservative as far as the type of products available and close some of the doors on on risky products like the, the NEGAM. Uh, I guess I just said the same thing over, but it really does emphasize that lenders are scared about selling these products back to the, the secondary market, and they're going to continue over being overregulated and over. Uh, um, criticize your loan scenario. Speaking of Tony Mendez, Bay Loan how often or how much money
1: do you make? Is it different for an arm versus a 15 year versus a 30
5: year? It, it, it's not. Okay. Uh, one of the things that did change is the way that lenders and loan officers and brokers are compensated so that they charge the same for each scenario. Um, But in the past, uh, we used to have lenders that came to our office and they would promote certain products, not the ones that were the best for the client, but the best for the loan officer to make the most money. That's where we got in the most trouble, is loan officers were looking to make the most money and selling the wrong products to the clients. That's gone away.
1: So what else should we know about that Cash scenario, or about the real the scenario where you use a lender. You want them to make money, but you don't want them to make too much money,
5: and you don't want them to make nothing because then they're not going to really work for you and get to know you. Right. The first thing you want to do is just make sure that you have the right scenario. Good credit. You want to, uh, equity in your property. Good income. And you don't want to stray off of that path because there are some, you know, you have to use FHA or you have to use a private money loan. You want to stick in the mainstream. That's why I'm worried about this private sector um, funding that Obama's trying to push. It's It could make it a lot worse for people in higher rates. So you want to first make sure your scenario is correct, and then you want to do some shopping. I like using a broker because brokers use several different lenders that could fit your scenario into their slot, where if you did it on your own and you... Try to go to one lender and then another lender. You're running your credit more often, and you may not hit the right lender that has the right scenario. So there are several things that you can do to make sure that you ensure that you end up with the right pricing. Get a good faith estimate. Make sure you shop on the right the same day um, because rates change quite often, and there's some quite a few other tools that you can use. Thanks very much. You can find Tony Mendez
1: at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Getting to know the right product, getting to know the right lender, I think is critical. You do not want to be in a scenario where you go into a bank and try to get a loan because you're not going to get the product that's right for you. You're going to get the product that they want to push to you. So you're listening to me, Rob Black. That's Tony Mendez, and you can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. <laughs>